Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Living Hope. Good I love when our worship team is done that they are exhausted. That's a good thing. Just like, oh, oh. all right, that's, that's good. Just, just laid out from worshiping. That's, that's great. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. So good to be here. So good to be here. We're finishing up our series uh, called Chains where we've been preaching through the book of, or the chapter, Romans chapter 8, and uh, just looking at all these different ways that God wants to set us free, that he has provided freedom for us in Christ, and how so many of us have, maybe you've been Christians for years, and, and so many of us fail to take advantage of that freedom. We allow ourselves to be kept in bondage by issues, either <coughs> kind of personal issues in our own mind, or things that we've been victimized by, or just a wrong view of God, or whatever that is. Uh, and, and what I have heard from many of you over the last uh, five weeks is that, uh, that this chapter, Romans chapter 8, has done exactly what, what I hoped it would do, which, which is it's just, I, I, I hear the sounds of chains drop into the floor all across Living Hope Church, and that is awesome. That is awesome. I love that so many of you are being set free by this passage, and it's such good stuff. So we're going to finish out uh, this series uh, this morning, and, and it's honestly, it's kind of... The, the, the section that we're going to go through this morning, it's, it's one of those kind of save the best for last uh, types, the icing on the cake. And, uh, and uh, any cake people in the room, any people like cake, love cake. I'm a cake person, really like cake. Uh, some of, you know, cake people come in all different shapes and sizes, mostly, mostly round. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, you know, they're like, if you're one of my daughters, uh, you're, you're the type of cake person that uh, you you just eat the icing and you have in your mind that the cake is the healthy part. And you don't want to eat that. And, and so, and so you kind of leave the cake alone, just eat the icing. If you're like my wife, uh, who's a little OCD, she has to have uh, equal proportion of icing and cake with every single bite. It's gotta be all, you know, she's got a plan. She's got a plan how to devour that cake. Uh, if it's me, I tend to eat the cake first, save the icing for last and uh, whatever. But, uh, you know, if you're that cake first, icing last person, then Romans 8 is for you because it is just that it's so much uh, good stuff all the way through. And then it just, it's just awesome at the end, just, just completely awesome. It's sweet at the end. And so uh, we're going to be going through that. So, but before we dig into that, I wanted to hit um, kind of just review because th- this passage that we're going to read today starts off with this phrase that we read last week. What then shall we say to these things? And so before we can dive in, I want, us to, I want to remind us what these things were uh, that he's talking about. And so uh, let's go ahead and, and, and do that. The first week, uh, when we were kind of breaking some chains, that we talked about that in Christ you are not condemned. That you're not condemned in Christ. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing that we uh, who are living in Christ, we have no condemnation we uh, there is no one that can try to condemn you that can try to make you feel 
less than, uh, less loved by God, nothing like that. Try to put, you know, uh, pour legalistic guilt on you. You cannot be condemned by anyone else, by yourself. You are not condemned. In God's eyes, you are perfect. You're perfect, which is just beautiful. Uh, the second week we talked about that we are being uh, resurrected or changed in Christ, that we are going through this resurrection process that will finally be uh, complete in eternity, uh, but our bodies are being changed, our, our, our souls, ourselves are being changed into the image of God. Uh, that we, re- we read another passage that Paul wrote where he talked about we are being changed from one degree of glory to another, um, on and on and on throughout our lives. That And, and there's a big churchy word for that. <laughs> I'm going to drop it on you here and just say it. Big church where everybody say it with me. It's sanctification. Sanctification just simply means this is a journey. This is a journey that when you give your life to Christ, when you start living your life in Christ, that you are not suddenly uh, perfect or uh, exactly in the image of God, so to speak, that, that there's a sanctification process that happens throughout your journey uh, walking with Christ. And, and, uh, and so we are changed, as the Bible said, from one degree of glory to another until one day in eternity when, when all things are set back to the way God originally intended them to be, when, when this world is revealed in this glorious state that God originally created it, when humanity is changed into the glorious state that God created it and God's glory is revealed throughout his whole creation, then we will be completely and fully in the image of God uh, in his glory, in his glory. But for now, we're being changed from one degree of glory to the next, to the next. And so then the next week we talked about how uh, that you are adopted or chosen in Christ. You are a member of Christ or, or of God's family. He has adopted you. We have a spirit of adoption over us. He has selected you. He has chosen you. He has chosen you. And he not only he not only loves you. He not only likes you, but he chooses you, which is is just just beautiful, beautiful for you, those of you in the room that uh, were always picked last or or never picked at all or picked on or whatever, and you never felt uh, important or never felt like there was anything of worth to you, uh, know that in Christ you are chosen. You are chosen. Uh, the next week we talk about how you, we can all have hope and joy when we suffer in Christ. We can all have hope and joy that even in the midst of the worst situations of our life, that there, when we're living life in Christ, there is, there is still a sense of hope that never... Uh, goes away there is still a sense of even joy in the midst of suffering that never goes away that god uh that 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 he through the leading of his holy spirit in our lives will keep that hope alive in us keep that joy alive in us even in the worst of times now this doesn't mean that you know something horrible horrible awful happens to you and you're just you know walking around pretending like everything's perfect anybody ever remember that old movie that was redone of you you know uh a few years ago, too, uh, the Stepford Wives. Anybody ever see the Stepford Wives? Where, like, this whole community of guys basically replaced their wives with robot wives, and uh, and everything was perfect with the Stepford Wives, right? Everything, a smile, you know, and fresh-baked goods, and, and uh, you know, all kinds of other stuff. It was just, everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. Uh, but it was all fake. It's not that God changes us into Stepford people. He doesn't change us into little, you know, Christian robots who just pretend everything's okay or, or it's all a facade, it's all fake, whatever. Instead, he puts his Holy Spirit in our 
lives that when we, we commit to follow him so that even in the midst of hard times, even when we're suffering, the normal suffering that comes with life or when we're suffering in Christ, for Christ, there is still a sense of hope, a hope that one day everything will be, even though things are screwed up right now, one day everything will be set right. One day God will uh, bring us to that future glory that he has promised us and a glory right now, even in the midst of, of trials. And so there's hope and there's joy, even in, even in the middle of hard times. There's a, it's a hope and a joy that honestly the world doesn't understand. Joy unspeakable. It's a peace that passes understanding that the world just doesn't get. They look at us if, if they see something going on in our lives and our lives are falling apart. And, and yet we, if, if you're living in Christ, are still pointing people to the glory of God, pointing people to Jesus through every aspect of it. Not, not that we're not scared, not that we're not upset, not that we don't mourn, not that uh, we would have chosen a different path for ourselves if we could have chosen but even in the midst of what life hands us, there can be a peace and there can be joy and there can be hope in Christ. And then last week we talked about how that in Christ you are, you are heard, and you are known, and you are victorious already. You're victorious. And in a world of, of people who, who want so desperately to be heard, want so desperately to be known that in Christ he hears us, he his Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. Even when our prayers are faulty and screwed up or weak or we don't have the words and we can't think what we, we want to connect with God, but we, don't, can't, we can't think of how. Uh, there, it's just uh, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, uh, it, it, through our groanings, uh, can deliver the right message to God. That he can take the most basic cry out to God and translate it into the most beautiful prayer that we have never prayed. Right? And, 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 and that's just such a such a beautiful promise and that he knows us he knew us from the foundation of the earth he has known us and he knows us better than we know ourselves <coughs> and that we are that those who he has known he has justified and called and glorified past tense it has been done it is finished you have been glorified in christ's eyes and we'll see the consummation of that in eternity and it's just just amazing now, all these promises, I also want to point out that, you know, we tag on there as the scripture does every time, in Christ, in Christ. And, and that, don't read Romans chapter 8 and get this sense that it's a chapter about you. It's not about you, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. In fact, you take Christ out of the equation of any one of those statements and the exact opposite becomes true in your life. The exact opposite becomes true in your life. You are condemned. You're not being changed. You haven't been chosen. There is no hope. There is no joy. There is none of that without Jesus Christ in our lives. Jesus is the changing factor, the critical factor for all of that to be true, for all of that hope and all of that freedom and all that stuff that, that we have been called to experience in our life. It, without Jesus, it does not exist. It does not exist. We're, we, we're pretty fond of Jesus around here. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. If it's not all about Jesus, it, we're wasting our time. It's football season and we could be home right now. But since it's all about Jesus, there's no better place you could be right now. There's no better place you could be right now. Some of you don't believe that. That's all right. You got a DVR. Just record that game. You'll be, it'll be all good. Just don't check Facebook or anything on the way home. So, all right. So, now, that's the all these things. 
Now let's dive into this uh, icing on the cake here. Romans chapter 8, start with verse 31. Verse 31. This is my Pentecostal preacher, sweat rag. All right. So he says then, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, that's good. We could go home right there. If God is for us, who could be against us? If the God who has provided all those freedoms that we talked about, who has released us from all those chains that we've been talking about for the last five weeks, if that God is for us, if the God of the universe, the creator of everything that ever has been and ever will be, that who spoke this universe and this creation into existence, he didn't take a little bit of this and a little bit of this and mix it up and make something. He's not a maker. He's a creator. He spoke it into existence. You go home and try speaking something into existence. You will fail. I don't care. There's not a Pinterest thing for that. You can't do it. You cannot do it. And so you go home, try to do that. You cannot do it. But God wants something. He speaks it into existence where where it never existed before. He doesn't mix up ingredients. He makes the ingredients. He speaks it into existence. That God, that same God, alive and well today, doing his saving work in our life, loving us so much that he sent his only son to die for us the death that we should have died so that we could live in relationship with him. That God, that God who gives us hope, who gives us peace, who gives us joy, who chooses us, who knows us, who hears us, who made a way from us for us and who does not condemn us. That God, if that God is for you, who could possibly be against you? Who could possibly be against you? No one. No one could. That's the answer, by the way, in case you're curious. Nobody. (laughs) Nobody could be against you. None of you. If you're in Christ, no one can be against you. When I grew up in the uh, 70s and 80s. Here, shout out for the 70s and 80s. (laughs) That was weak. (laughs) Okay. So I grew up in, it was a great time to grow up. The reason it was a great time to grow up because this was back in the day when, um, I don't know if some of you guys realize this used to happen, but uh, kids used to play outside, right? Right? Like kids seriously used to play outside. And, um, and what would happen is, um, um, like, can can I tell you that I don't believe, um, that ever, never once in my life did my mom ever arrange a play date for me ever. Ever, never, ever. Um, that that was just that was just completely out of no. Playdates in the seventies and eighties were go outside, and you went outside and you found other kids to play with because they were out there. They because all of their mothers said the exact same thing: get out of my house. And and so my mom and I'm not exaggerating this. Now this is so far removed from our existence today because we as parents love our kids so much more than our parents loved us. Um, but 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 what would happen is especially during the summertime I can remember my mom and my mom's a loving woman she's a great lady and uh, I'm lucky to have her as a mom. But I can remember uh, just about every summer especially as a young kid my mom would kick us out of the house every morning. She'd get up, she'd feed us breakfast, we would watch one or two cartoons, and then we were out the door, um, and, and so she could watch her soaps and do the things that moms do, right? And so, so not that moms only do soaps, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, there's a lot, I just don't want to list all the things that moms do. Okay, so anyway, so, but she would, she, and I can remember very specifically, this has nothing to do with the sermon, by the way, this is just for free. Um, 
I can remember very specifically there were times, and again, my mom's a great lady, but there were times that we didn't want to go out and play in the summer. We wanted to sit around and watch TV. And uh, my mom would literally pull us to the door and push us out on the porch, shut the door, and lock it. Lock it to where we could not come back. We would be banging on the door, and she would be saying, go to the park, go play, and don't come back till dinner. That's what it was, right? That was good parenting back in the day. We've come a long way, baby, right? So, so anyway, but, but that's, that's the way it was. Now, what happened is we would, we would go outside, and there were kids wandering around all over the community outside, and we would find some place to do something. Uh, we'd find a field where we would play some baseball or some wiffle ball. We'd throw a football. We'd get a little game going. Sometimes we were making up games. I remember I had a, a neighbor that we, we made up a game called Dookie Boy, where we just picked up a piece of dried-up dog dew and threw it at each other. And whoever got hit with it was the Dookie Boy, and it was your job now to throw it. And, and that was just the whole day of, of games for us, right? right? And so that's what happens when parents don't supervise and don't arrange play dates. And so uh, anyway, so but we would go outside, play, pick a game to start playing, and then uh, you know, there would be this process of dividing up into teams. And now what was, I lived in several different communities growing up. And one of the uh, communities, or, or all of the communities I ever lived in, this was always true, and I think it's probably true across every community across the, the world, is that within a five-block radius of my house, there was going to be uh, one kid, at least one kid, that athletically was just so far superior than any of us were, right? You, I mean, he was just... He, was, he could do anything. This kid could, there's no sport he couldn't play. He was just good at everything. That kid always exists. There's got one kid that's always just either a little or a lot better, right? Athletically speaking. And so when it would come time for us to pick teams, uh, usually either that kid was part one of the guys picking teams or he was the first to be picked, right? And the rest of us standing there in a line just hoping we get picked to be on his team. Right? Because what we knew is if you got picked on Mr. Athletic's team, then it was going to be a great day. It was going to be a great day. You couldn't lose. You couldn't, you were going to win everything you guys played at. It was just going to be a great day. And it's kind of the same thing. I don't know, there's a long story to get to this point, but the same thing with us that if God is for you, if you are on his team, who could possibly come up against you? Not anybody else could condemn you, could try to, uh, you know, pile unnecessary guilt on you, could tell you that you're less than, could tell you that God doesn't love you. Nobody could come up against you. Not even you. Not even you can do it if God is for you. If God is for you. And we need to be able to be people who can step into a life where we release those chains, we let them fall to the ground, and we enjoy the freedom and the victory that God has called us to. Amen? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This, this, would you just scan that verse with your eyes one more time and, and get what that just said? Every once in a while, I, I get a... This happens in, you know, in, in the Christian life. Every once in a while, you get kind of a, a flash where you think you understand what's going on like for a moment god comes a little bit clear in the picture and then verses like that one come along and blow it all out of the water 
Like, I, underst- I think I understand how much God loves me, how much he loves you, until I read a verse like that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I- I've never seen that kind of love, a love that would choose other people over their own child. I don't get that at all. I, don't, I, I love all you guys, but I'm, I'm picking my kids over you every day of the week. Every day of the week. It doesn't, it's not even close. And I like you guys a lot. Like a lot. I'm pretty crazy about you. I think about you all the time. Right? That's, I just got kind of creepy there. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, just, I just creeped some of you out there for a second. Pastor Jeff's talking to us. So, no, it's not like that. But, I mean, I, I'm fond of you guys, right? But, but... But now I'm not picking you over my kids. That ain't happening. And yet God has a love for us so strong. And the Bible also communicates how much he loves Jesus, how much he loves himself, the Trinity, how much they love each other, how much in unity they are, in sync that they are. And yet he looks down at us and he says, I'll sacrifice my son for them. I don't get that. I don't think I'll ever get that kind of love. I don't understand that at all. Yet that's how much God loves us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's going to try to charge you with anything when God has justified you? My Sunday school teacher taught me the definition of the word justified was justified never sinned justified never sinned who can try to convict you of anything when god looks at you and declares you completely innocent completely perfect because he sees you through the lens of jesus christ he sees you through the lens of his own son who is to condemn jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised who was at the right hand of god who indeed is interceding for us who's going to condemn when jesus is the one who died who's going to try to pronounce a sentence on you try to punish you when jesus has already paid the price he's the one that died he died the death that you should nobody's going to try to take you down nobody's going to try to convict you punish you carry out a death sentence on you jesus has already taken care of that nobody can hold anything against you Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, he quotes a psalm here. He says, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And basically he's saying, what's going to come between you and the love of Christ? Is it going to be famine or sword or danger or any of these things and then he says then he quotes that that passage for your sake we're being killed all the day long we're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered he's just reminding them not that you're exempt from this stuff we all go through this stuff everything i just mentioned all that stuff it's not that you're not going to see it it's not that you're not going to see danger or the sword or hunger or famine or nakedness it's not that you're going to it's not that you're going to be exempt from that you'll you'll go through all of that but it's still not going to separate you from christ it's still not going to separate you from Christ. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Say that with me. More 
than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, not I think, not I, it might be true, but I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. No circumstance, no person, no situation. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. The love of God is is a type of love that you'll never experience anywhere else. I want to read this. It's a lyric to a song. It's probably my favorite song. It's it's an old Christian song from the 80s by a guy named uh, Rich Mullins. And um, he... uh, he, he was killed in a car accident in 1997. Just um, had a huge spiritual impact on my life. And um, in fact, I, I, we named Isaiah after him, Isaiah Mullins. Um, he writes this song about the love of God. This is the last stanza of that song. He says this. Um, Joy and sorrow are this ocean, and, and their every ebb and flow. Now the Lord a door has opened that all hell could never close. Here I'm tested and made worthy tossed about but lifted up in the reckless raging fury that they call the love of God. In the reckless raging fury that they call the love of God. There's something very reckless, very furious, very intense about a love that would love us with that kind of intensity that God has loved us. About a love who would sacrifice for us the way he sacrificed for us when we didn't deserve it, when we're all living in rebellion to him, that's our natural state. That's what comes naturally to us. Just from, you know, just from the moment you're born, your natural state is just to rebel against God. And God knowing that and seeing that still looks at us and, and loves us with a love that you could, you could never comprehend. A love that you'll never see anywhere else in your life, ever. I, I'm going to tell you a story, and um, it, I shouldn't tell it. It's one of those that people don't like to hear about the pastor, and, and um, uh, but I'll tell it anyway. So this uh, last summer, we went camping with a bunch of friends. And uh, on this camp trip, it was great. Uh, usually our camping trips are like our, just our family, but we went tri- camping with like, <laughs> I don't remember, like eight other families. And... Um, it was just a lot. I mean, it was like 16 adults and 25 kids or something like that. It was just, just chaos all the time. It was horrible. And, uh, I mean, it was fun. It was, it was great. But anyway, that, uh, yeah, I'm getting outside of my point here. So we're off camping, and um, we're down by Santa Cruz, just south of Santa Cruz, on one of the state parks, state beaches down there. And uh, one day, uh, Isaiah goes up to the, little, uh, the, you know, the bathhouse area to brush his teeth, and, uh, and so me and all the dads are kind of sitting in a circle doing the dad camp thing. And, uh, we are, uh, all of a sudden Isaiah comes back. He's like, you're not gonna believe what just happened. I'm like, what? He says, he begins to tell us that he, he was brushing his teeth. And this young guy in early twenties, uh, walks up that kind of worked for the park department there. And he, uh, he, he told, he's, you know, kind of rudely told Isaiah, you know, you got to move. I got to wash this area. And so Isaiah was like, okay, he got his stuff and went around to the other side of the building to the other sink to brush his teeth. And, 
And uh, pretty soon that guy came around the other side. And now instead of uh, asking Isaiah to move or telling him to move, he just decided to shove Isaiah, right? Just decided to shove him. And so um, my response when I, as Isaiah is telling me is, is like, where is he? <laughs> and so Isaiah <laughs> leads me to where he last saw him. He's not there anymore. So we walk back to our campsite and and uh, I'm, I'm pretty ruffled, you know. Uh, you know, people don't put hand, hands on my kids. That's not okay with me, okay? And so, um, anyway, so a little bit later, the guy had done his rounds of picking up the trash at the campsite and had come near our campsite to pick up trash. And Isaiah says, there he is. And so I got up, and I began to walk over uh, to have a conversation with this young man. And, um, and so as he sees me coming, he jumps back in his truck, and... And I continue to have a conversation with him. And basically, now the other guys that were there will tell you, if you ever get a chance to talk to them, that, that uh, Pastor Jeff told a guy he was going to beat him up. That's not exactly, <laughs> it's not exactly how that went down. I gave him a choice, okay? <laughs> I gave him a choice. I said, uh, you can either show me your ID and I can take down your information so you can no longer have a job after today. Or you can get out of the truck and we can take care of this here right now. And um, now, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I, 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 need to, I, need to, I need to just tell you, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the fighting kind. I, I don't fight. I'm not that guy. But people don't put hands on my kids. I know turn the other cheek. And if somebody hits me, shoves me, I will gladly and obediently turn the other cheek every day of the week. But I don't have to turn the other cheek when it's my kid. I will defend them vigorously. And the, and the young man lost his job that day. And so all was good. All was good. So here, here, now, now, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling this story for any other reason than to just say that if I love my kid, and that was just my boy, I got three girls, it would have been a whole different story if he would have laid hands on them. Okay? If I love my kids with that kind of intensity, with that kind of reckless, raging fury that I love them with, how much more do you think God loves you? How much more do you think it will not go unnotice when anybody tries to put a hand on one of his kids how much more do you think that he will step in and vengeance is mine saith the lord he will take care of business when it comes to one of his kids he will gladly step in and do that he will gladly stand it may not be in the way that you would expect or in the timing that you would expect or whatever but trust me that love you've never experienced love like that in your life ever ever. And my love for my family is at times faulty and at times even weak, at times even sinful. And God's love is perfect. How much more? How much more does he love us? How much more? That fierceness that when we get caught up in that reckless raging fury that they call the love of God, it's it's like nothing you're ever going to experience. I love watching um, young adults who, who are, you know, maybe dating or engaged and, you know, that sort of thing, or, or maybe even newlyweds, however, you know, 
whatever, but the kind of young love type thing. And, and it, it's all the same because we were all there too. But everybody who's ever been like seriously in love, like romantically with someone has that feeling for at least a little while. You get that feeling like nobody has ever felt love like this. <laughs> this is the greatest love the world has ever known. You know, and then everybody that's been married like 50 and 75 years is just looking at him going, okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever. We'll see. We'll see. Right? And, and, and it, it, it's, it's just, I talk to people so many times in, in counseling, uh, especially when it comes to relationship counseling, that the core, the root of the problem, and I'll tell them this, is it's not the things you came in here for. It's not you know, the, whatever, the communication or the money or the whatever else that's going on in your relationship. It's not that. That's not the issue. The issue is that you are trying to make another human being fill a spot in your life that only God can fill. That you want from another human a love that you yourself can't give. You want from another person to love you with that kind of fierceness, that kind of reckless raging fury that only can come from God, that can only come from God. And when when we choose lesser gods over the God of the universe, it never goes well. It never goes well. No one can live up to that expectation. No one, no one, not even you. No one can do it. Even if you're brand new in love and feeling like it's the greatest love the world has ever, ever known, it, you, it will not withstand the pressure of you wanting someone to love you the way only God can love you. It's not fair. It's not fair. And this is what I want to tell you. Is, is do not miss out on the greatest love you will ever know. Do not miss out on the greatest love you will ever know. There is no buddy that's going to love you the way only God can love you. That when we talk about how God is sufficient for all our needs, that's not just words, it's truth. That God has, has the ability to, to feel a longing that's hardwired into your DNA that only He can fill. Do not miss out on the greatest love that you will ever, ever know. Don't miss out on it. He offers it to you. He, he, as intense as that love is that he has for you, he doesn't force it on you. He doesn't force, but he pursues you. And then when you step into it, and when you embrace that love that God offers to you, get ready. It's not going to feel safe. It's not going to feel um, comfortable. He's going to not only love you, not only forgive you, not only make a way for you to be in relationship with you, he's going to, because of that love, because of the furiousness of that love, he's going to do hard things in your life. He's going to change you in ways that make you uncomfortable. He's going to stretch you in ways that you didn't think you could go. He's going to, he's going to begin this process of making you more like him. Not because you're not good enough, because, but because he loves you so much, he wants you to be like him. That's a pretty good deal when you think about it, that the God of the universe actually wants you to be able to be like him. 
and has executed a plan from the foundations of the earth to make that possible in your life. That's, that's great. That's, that's such good news. That's such good news. But don't miss out on the greatest love of your life. That there's this love that's been offered to you that, that how sad would it be if you reached the end of your life and it, it was just like there was this free gift of love and you just kept turning it down. You just kept turning it down. Bow your heads with me. I want to pray right now. Father, we love you. And while we don't understand your love, it's hard for us to comprehend. It's hard for us to really get a grasp of just how furious it is. Thank you. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you. Thank you for reaching into time, putting on flesh and coming in the form of your son, Jesus Christ, to, to save us, to rescue us from the penalty of sin and death, to pay a price that we couldn't pay. Thank you so much. God, you're so good. You're so... Your goodness, your love is so far above and beyond ours. And while we love imperfectly and while we do relationships imperfectly and we struggle, thank you for looking at all that mess and still choosing to love us the way that you do. Thank you for not giving up on us. Without anybody looking around, just every head bowed and eye closed, nobody looking around. Um, I, I wonder if anybody would just slip up a hand. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. Just slip up a hand just to say, I, I want that love in my life. I'm ready to finally embrace it. I, I need that. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see hands all over the room. I want that love in my life. I need that love in my life. See those hands. I want to begin this path of following Jesus. I see those hands. Father, for those who are coming to faith to you right now, many for the first time, genuine faith where they are stepping out and choosing to believe that you are who you say that you are, that you've done what you've said that you've done, that you have made a way for them to be in relationship with you. God, right now, I, I, I just, I pray that you would hear their prayer as they cry out to you right here, right in the quietness of this moment, God. You slipped up your hand, and maybe even if you didn't, would you just pray this prayer with me? Just pray, God, um, I know that I've failed you. I know that I've sinned against you. I know all these things. I know I'm not perfect. But would you forgive me? Thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me so that I could be forgiven, so that I could live in a right relationship with you. Thank you so much. God, I know going forward, I, I will continue to fail. 
my imperfections will continue to be shown. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for, even though you can see better than I can the failures that I will have in the future, God, you do not condemn me. You still choose me. You still love me. You still love me. So God, help me to begin to submit my life to you every single day so that you can change me into the person that you want me to be. God, I can't change myself. I am powerless to change myself. But I want you to step in and change me in ways that I can. I love you. I'm going to do my very best to live for you. been Christians for a while, but you've never really allowed God to embrace you the way that he wants to embrace you. It's more comfortable to hold God at bay, to hold him at a distance and talk about love and talk about grace, but never really allow him close enough to fully and truly experience the kind of freedom, the kind of victory that he has laid out for you if you would only embrace it. If you would just let go of those chains that you've become so comfortable with. I want to challenge you right now in this moment to just begin to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to break through those chains and allow yourself to be caught up in the reckless raging fury that they call the love of God. Father, again, you're so good. Your word is so good to us and we thank you so much. We thank you. We thank you that Um, you see us as something lovely when uh, we are completely unlovable. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you, Lord. Father, would you just lead us and guide us in the way that you want us to go? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is good. Amen.